to prep you guys, and I said to you that, uh, well, first of all, it started with a confession. Uh, I had to humble myself before you and confess to you that I uh, don't like talking about money at all in church. And God began to convict me about that, that if I'm up the front teaching and and leading and if I uh, negate that as an aspect of our lives, then there's a whole pile of our world that spiritually I'm not leading and teaching and, and encouraging you in. And so God got on my case. It took him a long time because I'm very averse to money talk in church for several reasons. Firstly, because I'm very aware that the image that the world has of us is that the church just wants your money. And so the evangelist in me goes, if that's what people think, let's go to the other extreme and not give them an, 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 an any reason to think that about us. So I've gone to that extreme where I don't even want to talk about it. Or um, I remember those of you that have been here a long time would know that I was constantly having somebody at the start of my message go, Alan, you forgot to mention the tithes. Oh, that's right. You know, so for a long time there, I didn't even mention about tithes, nothing. Um, because of this aversion against it, God's brought some balance into my life. But I, uh, about... Three or four months ago, I started to tell you, look, it's coming up one day. One day, I'm going to talk about it. One day, I know I'm going to have to start to breach this topic. And one day, we're going to have a bit of a look at it and, and so on. And, uh, well, there's no day like today. So today, I'm going to be talking about giving. Giving. Uh, I want to do this over a few weeks. All I want to do today is lay a little bit of a foundation, uh, a few thoughts to be planted in our head. As I said, this is a difficult topic to talk about. But interestingly enough, depending on which Bible scholars you look at, anywhere from 20 to 40% of what Jesus spoke about had to do with currency of the day, had to do with how we handle our finances. As a matter of fact, uh, if you go and you read the book of Luke, if you were to break it down, uh, verse, the numbers of verses and so on, every seven to nine verses in the book of Luke speaks about finances what we do with it, how we handle it, what it reveals about us, what kind of control it has over us, what, sort of, uh, 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 what it compels us to do or not to do, and so on. So there's a lot about money that's mentioned in the Bible because money is very, very close to our heart. So I'm stepping out on a bit of a ledge here. I just want you to know. But I'm trusting that you have journeyed with us long enough to know my heart, that I'm not here wanting to, you know. Uh, let me just clarify something. I don't work on a commission base. Okay? I don't take a certain percentage of the tithes. I, I had someone ask me that a, a couple of weeks ago. I was at a, a meeting somewhere, a non-church person was trying to get their head around, you know, so, so you work for an hour and a half on a Sunday, but what else do you do, you know? And I always hate that question. It's like, I, what's, I'm a motivational speaker. I don't know what, you know, I write books. I don't know. But, um, but uh, people ask these questions, and someone said to me, so, so, so do you get a, a percentage of the tithes? I said, no, no, it doesn't work like that. But I understand people probably think that because, you know, I'll, I'll push my business and if I can get more money out of you, my, my salary does not go up. I'm not going to get any more money out of talking about finances and tithing and giving over the next few weeks. I just want to lay that platform there. I have a set salary that I get that's been set by, by people above me and I and so I, I don't, nothing, none of this is coming to me. I'm not asking you to give to me or consider giving to me, or think about ways that you can bless me and financially uh, prop up my life. God looks after me, and he does a great job, and he looks after you and does a great job, and I work hard and you work hard. This has nothing to do with trying to get stuff out of you for my personal benefit. I just need to say that, uh, because also there might be people listening on iTunes, and you're about to switch off because you think it's not about that. But bear with me. Bear with me, and let's go on a little bit of a journey. I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. 
I prayed and I said to God, well, Lord, I really need help here because I don't know how to start this conversation. I don't know where to go or, or what the, the, the foundational point is here. So, God, you need to really help me. So I feel like God preached the message to me, which I'm going to re-preach to you so I can hear it being preached back to myself again. Does that make sense? So we're going to go on a little bit of a journey here. First Kings chapter 17, verse 8 to 15. Well-known story. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, speaking of Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Go to this other place, and I want you to live there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he calls to her, and he says, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she's going to get it, he calls to her and says, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. <laughs> so she says, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I wonder what Elijah felt like at that point. How would you feel, you know? Hey, you, go get me a drink. Okay. By the way, get me a bit of bread. Well, look, uh, actually, I've only got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm going to go and make some bread, and then I'm going to go over here and eat it, me and my son, and then we're going to die. <laughs> ever, ever, ever have those moments where you wish you could take back what you said? You know, here I am asking something of a woman who's about to feed her son and die, but I want you to give it to me. I mean, I would have felt terrible. I would have been like, oh, God, this must be the wrong widow, wrong person. Where's the widow getting around with the, you know, the silk scarves and the high heels? That's the widow I'm after, the one with all the purple garments and the, all the money and stuff. But anyway, this is the one. This is the one that God sends him to. She says, as God lives, I don't only have bread, I have a handful of flour. I'm going to go and eat it, bake it, myself and my son. We're going to eat it and we're going to die. That's a bad day right there. I've got plans. They're way better than that. And Elijah said to her, do not fear... Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. I kind of feel, I, something gelled with Elijah when I read that, and I thought, God, that's, I feel like Elijah. I feel like Elijah. I know there are people who are struggling financially. I know there are people who are doing it tough. I know there are people that have lack in their own world. I know they do. And I feel a bit like Elijah, like I'm standing up here today saying, give me your last bit of bread. Don't go and die with it. Give it to me and then go and die. But give it to me. Let me take from people who are needy. I, I, I read that and I thought, God, I feel like that. But as I just said, it, 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 it's not about me. I'm not taking anything from me. I'm not here to say, give to me. So I thought, okay, God, well, I, can, I can handle that. I can deal with that because the end result is actually a really positive thing for this woman that he's speaking about. How many of you know that God often requires of us to do things that go against the culture and the spirit of the times and the places in which we live? Um, let me give you a few examples. Conventional wisdom doesn't say bless those who curse you. You ever heard, you ever, you ever had a, a person outside the context of God say, that person's speaking ill of you? Well, I'll tell you what, go around and start telling everyone how great they are. 
That's what it means. Bless those who curse you. Speak well of those who speak bad of you. Conventional wisdom wouldn't say that. Conventional wisdom says they're giving it to you. Well, you load up your gun and you give it back. You, they said that about me. Well, let me tell you what I know. And I'll, and I'll unload some of the stuff I know, give you a bit of goss. And that might change who you're going to listen to, them or me, huh? Bless those who curse you. It goes against conventional wisdom and it goes against the way of the world in which we live. Forgive those who do you wrong. Forgive those who do you wrong. What? You're kidding, aren't you? You mean, you come and do a wrong thing by me. I'm picking on you, Tim, because you're sitting in the, you're in this pick on, he's in the picking seat. You mean when somebody comes and does something wrong by me? And Jesus has the audacity to go, well, how many times should I forgive me? He says, well, 70 times 7. Now, some of you are sitting there going, what's that add up to? You know, 400 and, yeah, 490? Well, you're up to 438. You've got two left, mate, and then I'm going to give it to you. But Jesus says, forgive. Forgive those who hurt you. It goes against conventional wisdom. It goes against the spirit of the world in which we live. You don't forgive people who, who, who offend you, who, who do the wrong thing by you. You get back at them. You pay them back. That's what you do. But, but the kingdom says, forgive those who do you wrong. Humble yourself in order to be exalted. I mean, that's just ludicrous. Everybody knows that, that you know, the, the louder you are and the more in everyone's face and the more you promote yourself. I mean, that's the way the world works. Just promote yourself, tell everyone how wonderful you are, how great you are, how you can do this, you can do, do it, and, and lift, exalt yourself. That's the only way to make it in this world. Yet God says, humble yourself in the sight of God. Let me do the talking. If you humble yourself, I'll lift you up. In due time, I'll exalt you. I think it's in Corinthians it says, it's not the one who, who, who commend, recommends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord recommends. It goes against conventional wisdom, especially in this day of self-help and self-taught and you know, self-help gurus and everything, and you know, put yourself out there. And it goes against all that stuff. Lose your life in order to find it. It goes against conventional wisdom. Lose your life in order to, to find it. Now, Jesus said you've got to die in order to live. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? You know? You've got to die in order to find true life. But yet all these things express the way in which the kingdom of God works. A kingdom that runs parallel to this natural world in which we live. These two coexistent ways of life. These two coexistent kingdoms. And the conventional wisdom of the world is not always in line with the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the kingdom. Why does God want us to respond? I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about this particularly in the area of finance and stuff, you know? And I thought, well, God, back in the Old Testament, you said to Israel, and you'll find this yourself, go back, you have to be a very poor reader of the Bible to come to the belief that God wants us all to be impoverished and poor, and you have to misinterpret the Bible pretty badly to come away thinking God doesn't want to bless his people. That's a, you have to be a really... Misinterpret a whole bunch of things. You can't. I know that there's been an extremity with prosperity in in Christian teaching, and as a result of that, we want to stay away from it. But we can't let extremists dictate theology to us or dictate what we think about God. They're extremists in everything. You know, they're extremists in healing, extremists in prosperity, they're extremists in 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 obeying to the dot the word of God. There are all kinds of extreme people out there, extreme groups out there, and extreme teachings. We can't let extreme teaching cause us to react ourselves against that, where we go the complete other way. Because what ends up happening is we become extreme as well. 
out of their extremism, we become extremists, but just the other end of extreme. We've got to find that balance and we've got to go back to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to dictate our theology and allow the Word of God to reveal to us the heart, the character and the nature of God. But I was thinking about this, God, why would you say to Israel, you chose Israel, you chose this nation, and then you say to them, um, live this way and I will bless you. Live this way, within these boundaries, and I will bless you. And I thought, that could easily be misinterpreted as a performance-based relationship, couldn't it? Well, God, you're just saying if I live a certain way, that you'll bless me. That's performance, isn't it? And I thought, well, hang on a second. If God didn't put some kind of parameters on life, but God has a picture of what he wants people to be like, right? When God created Adam and Eve, he had a vision for humanity. These are the kind of people I want to populate the earth. If God doesn't give some kind of boundary to that, and people can just do whatever they want, and he puts himself in a position where he just blesses anything that anybody does, how chaotic would the world end up being? See, I don't think when God says, do this and I'll do that, it's not performance-based. I like to think of it like I do with my kids. When I say to my kids, um, you know, clean your room, and then when you clean your room, we'll go out and we'll pass the football around. Don't clean your room. I'm not going to go out and pass the football with you. It's not performance-based. I'm not trying to get you to perform for me, but I'm trying to teach you that a normal part of life is consequence. Things happen. You do this, this happens. You don't do this, that happens. And so on. So God sets out these boundaries for Israel and he says, look, live this way. And if you live within this framework, then I can, like the child, you know, you do the right thing, you clean your room and I'll, I'll, I'll give you an ice cream and he cleans the room. And so I, I bless him with the ice cream for doing what he was asked to do. It's not performance, it's trying to teach consequence that, that you act this way or you act that way. There are consequences, there are pros and cons. And when it comes to finances, when it comes to the way we handle money, God has a whole bunch of things to say in his word. And it's not just about money, but it's about life. There are boundaries put in place because when we stay inside those boundaries, it communicates something to God. And here's what I think it communicates to him. I trust you. I love you. You've asked me to do something, I'll gladly do that. And the Father goes, well, I'll gladly bless you. In response to that, I'll gladly bless you. In response to what you did, what you didn't do, by staying on that path. You see, there are things that attract the supernatural blessing of God into our lives. And there are other things that don't necessarily push it away, but they don't attract it. They're not there. There are certain things that, that create an environment where God can be active in our world, and there are certain things that create an environment in our world where God is not absent, but he's inactive. Because we're not doing life the way that he asks us to do it. A couple of things stood out when I read this story to me the other day. First one was, he says to Elijah, I've commanded a widow, I've commanded a widow to look after you. Commanded this widow 
to give to you. I've commanded a widow to provide for you. You know, there's no indication in that entire story at any point that this woman knew that. Read the whole story. There's no indication anywhere there that she knew that God had commanded her to provide for Elijah. And I thought, man, that's actually a pretty good picture of the church, maybe. See, I think we've had such an extreme response to go back 20 years when prosperity and and God's blessing was all about the amount of cars you had and the amount of rings you wore on your finger and where you went on your holidays and staying in the penthouse suites everywhere and and, and wearing, you know, I I remember watching one preacher on TV talking about his $15,000 suits and he bought three of them and he was joking in front of his church of thousands of people. Why did he buy them? He said, because I can. And I thought, you idiot. I just didn't, didn't feel any glory of God because you can. Well, you know what? How many $15,000 suits are you going to wear in your life? And how often are you wearing them? You know? It's ridiculous. That's just extreme. But we, I saw a whole bunch of that stuff, and I think a lot of people did. And there was a reaction to that where we've now gone and become extremists ourselves way over this way, and we don't want to talk about that stuff. So I feel like right now in the world of the church, what a good time for Elijah to come and to, to, to communicate to that widow, you know, God has commanded you to provide for me. See, a lot of us don't realise that the Bible actually has a lot to say about giving. Not only does it, and it's not recommendations, it doesn't just recommend that we be generous, it commands us to be generous. The Bible has a lot to say about giving. Israel lived in a culture where they had tithes. They weren't arguing about, should we tithe, should we not, what's a tithe? And I want to talk a bit specifically about tithing next week. But Israel didn't argue back and forth and, and, and try to find reasons around expressing and giving to God. That's what they did. It was their culture. And we think we got it bad because we might take up, you know, people might tithe on a Sunday when they go to church. Man, these guys on top of their tithes, and they had all these offerings on top of that, and this and that and the other, and so on. And I think that we need to be reminded again, afresh, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a loving way, that giving is right. That the kingdom of God is enacted in our world by being generous and by giving. It's a biblical principle that I think we don't want to be extreme and not talk about or negate. Because the reality of the fact is every time in the Bible that somebody gives, God will give back. God would bless. God would meet our needs. God has a lot to say about meeting our needs. God has a lot to say about his love for us and his provision for us. This woman was unaware that she was commanded to give. And the second thing that really struck me about the story was that this woman was unaware that she was commanded to give. Not only did she not know that she was commanded of God to provide for him, when he made that aware to her and said, go and get me this cake, what did she say? She said, oh, look, I've got nothing to give you. I'm going to go and make a bit of bread. I'm going to eat it. Me and my son are going to eat it. We're going to die. How many of us sitting in church, and I'm not pointing fingers, I don't know anyone here, but how easy can it be to sit there and look at your own financial situation and go, well, I don't have a lot, so, oh, I mean, these guys, you're wealthy people. I can understand these guys should be giving and this person should be giving, but not me. I've got nothing. I've only got a piece of bread and a little bit of oil, and so I'm going to keep that for myself. And yet God still said, knowing that, knowing the situation that woman was in, knowing that it was the very last meal she had, God still said to her, I want you to give it because it's part of the process of life coming back into your situation. It starts by giving. It starts by giving. You know, it's, it's easy for us. Sometimes we sit here and we look at other people and go, it's easy for you. I mean, you own, a, you own a worldwide tea tree farm, Mr. Tillman. Best tea tree oil in the world. Hey? 
Gosh, be writing out checks for millions. <laughs> hey, saw him coming into church the other day and he was fanning himself with a fan made out of checks. Rolling in it. Yeah, they all bounce. <laughs> you know, rolling in it. Of course, you know, of course you should fund everything. You should be supporting everything, giving all the time. You know? But then you've got the person over here going, well, yeah, that's his gift. You know? That's his gift to give. I don't see anywhere in the Bible at all where there was an excluded group of people. Ah, I'll just bless you anyway. You don't need to do anything to activate the supernatural power of God. You don't need to do anything in line with the principles of God. I'll just bless you. But you, you people with money, you better do it all. I'm not going to bless you. I just don't see that anywhere in the Word of God. She was unaware that she was commanded to give. And secondly, she was unaware that she was commanded to give because she thought she was exempt because of how little she had. But you know what? God can take the smallest amount. When we make a decision to do any area of life in line with the principles of God, it's amazing what God can do. And I believe it's amazing what God can do in our financial world. No matter where we're sitting right now, when we make a deliberate choice to go, rightio, I'm prepared to be challenged. I'm prepared to look at this book and I'm prepared to go, yeah, okay, God, I'll take... See, see, we take God's advice in the area of relationships. And here's the thing. We don't mind going to church and I'll listen to you talk about relationships because I want my relationships to be good. I'll go to church and I'll listen to you as you talk about mental health because, you know, what we should do with our mind and our brain because I'm happy to hear that. I'll go along and you can even talk about diet and physical health. I'm happy to do that. I'll go along and you can talk about ministry gifts and all that stuff. I'm happy to hear all that stuff and I'll listen to that and I'll, I'll get into it and I'll... Don't you touch my money. Don't you talk about my money. You know, when I go somewhere and somebody and I get introduced with people and, uh, you know, uh, this is my wife, these are my kids and, uh, you know, uh, I, I live in Ballina. Um, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. I hate saying that, but, you know, I don't mind telling people what I do for a living. I don't mind telling people my wife's name. I don't mind telling people how many kids I have. I don't mind telling people where I have my last holiday. But if someone says, but how much money do you earn? Now, I'm not saying we should be asking each other how much you earn. You should be telling everyone. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when it comes to this area of money, there's just something about it. There's just something about it that we treat it like it's a, almost a sacred part of life that you don't go near. You know, that's one of the reasons why people don't like going to financial planners. I don't want to expose my financial details to anybody. I don't want somebody else telling me even though I know I'm going down the tubes here, even though I know, you know, I know churches that offer to pay for people to go to financial planners who are struggling and dying, but they won't do it because there's just something about that area of life that we feel is so much more precious than anything else. In Luke chapter 16, actually, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 and 11, we've got the parable of the shrewd servant. And Jesus makes this statement. Here's what he says. He says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. And he goes on the next verse. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Unrighteous mammon is specifically speaking about money. And here's what he says. He says, if you're not faithful in in what's little, you won't be faithful in what's much. And then he says, unrighteous money is the little. And if you can't be faithful in that and handle that properly, 
then how will you ever handle true riches? See, we live in a world that says true riches is the dollar. It's the money you have. It's the source of your entertainment. It's the source of your supply. It's what gets you everything. It's what opens doors for you. It's what takes you where you want. It's the dollar. And Jesus says, you know what? The dollar, I don't even classify that in the category of true riches. It's not even in the category of true riches. But we live in a world that's flipped it up and gone, this is true riches. And I think because of that, there's just something about it where we're happy to go to other places. We're happy to open ourselves up and be challenged in a lot of areas when it comes to money. So many of us go, don't challenge me, don't talk about it and don't go there. That's none of your business. And you know what? I know that because I'm kind of like that myself. This is part of my journey too, of, of getting into the word of God and going, okay, God, first of all, I am commanded to give. And secondly, I'm commanded to give. It's part and parcel. If you go on towards the end of the story there, here's where it gets real. In verse 13, just after she said, I've only got this and I've only got that and I can't do it, Elijah says this to her. He says, do not fear. Do not fear. Then he goes on and says, because God's going to make sure the bin don't run out and he's going to make sure the flower don't run out. Do not fear. You know what? I think that we struggle. We struggle to believe that God has the ability to resupply that which we give to him. It's a struggle. If I am to give to God, that which is his. If I'm to honour God with my finances. I mean, I'll give God time. I've got no dramas doing that. You know, I'll, I'll sit down and counsel someone. I'll do music practice. I'll, I'll, I'll get a message ready. I don't mind giving God time. I'll come and clean the church. I'll come and make a morning time. I'll give you time. You know? Don't go there with the money. Stay away from that stuff. I think deep down inside, we're just like this woman. There's a fear. I've only got this much God. And I know that this much needs to go out. If I prioritise you, God, and if I give to you, all of a sudden, how am I going to fill this? And I need this. Do I trust God to resupply that? Do I trust God enough to do what he says and to see him come through and to resupply and fill that hole? It's a challenging, challenging question. And Elijah saw that straight away with this woman. Your fear is if you give this to... I don't know what she had to lose. She was going to die anyway. She said, I'm going to eat this and die anyway. What do you got to lose in a situation like that? Some of us are so far backwards financially. Some of us are in so much debt. Some of us are in so much struggle city with... What have you got to lose anyway? But to make that decision to start trusting God and handling your finances according to kingdom principles, just like we handle our relationships, just like we handle our our emotions, just like we try to handle our our businesses, our work, our whatever. To take that decision, take that bold step, and go, I'm going to start to handle these things the way that God wants me to handle them. You know, Billy Graham, I read a quote recently from Billy Graham, and this is what Billy Graham said. And Billy Graham is a well-respected guy. I don't think he's, he's too extreme in most ways. I think he's a pretty down the middle sort of a guy. And I read a quote recently from Billy Graham. He said this. He said, if the modern church could get a handle on tithing and giving, he said it would change the Western church as we know it. If we could get a grip on tithing and giving, Billy Graham believes it would change the Western church as we know it. 
this sounds kind of weird because we're you know, moving into a building and, and I'm even saying to God, I, this timing of all this seems really, really wrong to me to want to talk about this now because I know I'm opening myself up to people going, oh, it's just because you're moving into a building. Blah, blah, blah. Look, people, you, people can think what they want. I'm just, I told you this three months ago, four months ago, that God was laying this on my heart and I've been wrestling about this for a long time to talk about this. I want to say this to us. Do we trust God enough with that area of our life to be a people who will allow him to come into that area? Do we trust him enough to be challenged in that area? Now, I'm going to stand up here for the next couple of weeks and point us to the word of God and talk out of here. And if I'm not giving you stuff out of here, then you don't believe me. And I, 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 I give you that uh, right now. If I'm not speaking out of here and pointing to the word of God, if it's just my own opinions and my own ideas with nothing to back it up out of the word of God, then spit me out, cheer me up, and don't listen to me. But for the next couple of weeks, I want to take us on a bit of a journey because I believe that we are all commanded to contribute financially to the building of the kingdom of God. Okay. And I believe that we are all called, not just those that seem to be more affluent or have more money at their disposal. We're all called to be a part of this. Okay. So my heart and prayer over the next couple of weeks is that we can all be challenged together on this because I really believe that when we do anything in life, and we line ourselves up with the principles of God, even though those principles seem to make no sense based on the way perhaps we've been brought up or the society in which we live. It doesn't make sense to go to work hard, do your best, earn money, support your family, and then walk into a building like this and go, I'm going to give a certain portion of my money to an invisible God. It sounds ludicrous. You know, I was checking out all different um, uh, years ago, I used to go to the, the, the self-help guru seminars and all that sort of stuff. And I was online and I, I typed in um, giving and, 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 and uh, did a search in Google. And, and you know what? It took me ages to find a Christian one about what I was looking for. Actually, it was all these self-help gurus and da 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 But you know what really impressed upon me was this. Even people that do not claim a relationship with God are advocating in their books and their podcasts. They're advocating in their seminars. I don't know how this works, but I just know this principle works. Take 10% of what you earn and give it to charities. It's true. They're, they're teaching this stuff. One, one particular person online actually even called it a tithe because tithe just means 10%, so it's just a, a title for a percentage. But he even used the word. He said, you need to tithe. Whatever money you get, make sure. And they're saying, I don't understand how it works. They'll be humble enough to go, we don't get it. They'll call it the laws of the universe. It's the law of the universe. You know? Well, I think it's actually the law of God who created the universe, but you call it what you want. So, I'm going to finish with that. I hope that my heart has come across today because for the next couple of weeks... Uh, and by the way, if you're not going to be here the next couple of weeks, don't think I'm going to be look, looking going, oh, Jenny's not here. Oh, yeah, I know why. You don't want to hear about it. I'm not going to be doing that, but I just want to put it out there and let you know for the next couple of weeks we're going to have a bit of a look at tithing and giving and so on because it's a principle that God wants us to get our head around. Not only does he want us to know about it, and here's the thing, the woman's situation didn't change because she finally knew what God wanted her to do. It changed when she what? Did it. It changed when she did it. Father, I want to thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for your presence with us. Uh, Lord, thank you for your heart for us, that you so love us, God. And Father, you want to bless us, God, and you want to provide for us. God, you don't want, uh, Lord, us to go without.
want us to be in lack, Father. You said, you promised us, my God shall provide all my needs according to his riches in glory. Father, your word tells us that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or lack or be in need. And Father, it's, a, it's sometimes a very difficult process or prospect for us to believe. But God, I just pray over the next few weeks, Holy Spirit, you would challenge our hearts. You would open up our, our, our spirit to understand and comprehend uh, this, this outrageously stupid idea that as we are generous and give, that it activates something supernaturally. You get involved and you give back to us far beyond anything we could possibly imagine. God, shaken together, stirred, pouring out. That's what you do for your kids. Father, we love you. We thank you this morning for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And Lord, as we go from this place, I pray for each of us here this week. God, give us a chance. Give us the opportunity to share your love with somebody that doesn't know you. Give us the opportunity to share what we believe with somebody who doesn't know you this week in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. God bless, guys. We'll uh, see you next Sunday if we don't see you in connect groups. And any man that has a gurney, say it with me, gurney. Uh, If you want to come up the front and connect with me and we can talk about what we can do and how we can get this uh, building to be cleaned and ready for painting.